0: On this week's episode, we had a blast talking with Danielle Bennett of DivaQ. Welcome to the Butcher Barbecue Podcast, world headquarters, Wellston, Oklahoma. The butcher turned master, your host, David Bosca. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Butcher Barbecue Podcast. We have the all famous, the, <laughs> I don't know how to describe her. She is live and in charge. This is Danielle Bennett also known as DivaQ. Hey,
1: David. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy, busy day. I know how busy you are and how you go nonstop. Probably one of the hardest working, (laughs) and I'm not going to just demographic you into saying one of the hardest working women. You are one of the hardest working folks in barbecue.
1: That um, That is a compliment I will take. Thank you. I, pre- I appreciate that. I do work very hard, and I try every single day I try.
0: <laughs> well, that's no joke. Tell everybody right now where you're at.
1: Right now I'm in uh, central Florida sitting in my backyard waiting for kolaches to come off the grill and uh, writing recipes and, uh, you know, scheduling meetings and non-stop.
0: <laughs> that parlay straight into another question. Before I get into the rest of that question... I've got to ask this. I love following your post on Facebook and Instagram with all these pictures of all this food that you're cooking. It's nonstop. So you just said you're writing recipes. Is all that you cook for you?
1: Oh, no, no. Um, And I think this is where people I think sometimes don't. I write recipes constantly, um, but additionally, while I'm home, I'm not home very often. This is a very new world we're in right now, and this is very unusual. I haven't been home this long in, I don't know, how many years, to be honest. And so I'm trying to take every opportunity to uh, do some product testing, some recipe compilations, but I'm also doing my very best to try to give back to my community. And that means for me, supporting my first responders within my community. Um, I live in a really small town in central Florida. And we've got some communities around us that have fire, of course. I am the police. I also have some senior citizens that I'm trying to take care of. Some neighbors I just like dropping off food too because I know they're just hardworking folks that have had to go out there every day and their essential services. And for me, it I love to cook. I don't like to watch TV very much. I probably spend more time in the kitchen than anywhere else on the planet <laughs> because that brings me happiness. And I think we all should have, live our lives happy. And so being at the grills, Barbecuing, cooking, baking—that to me is my happy place, and that's you know what keeps me calm and and uh, a little less anxiety over the current situation in the world. And so I just keep going. I get up in the morning and I don't
0: stop until I go to bed. Very nice. Let's go back to the first question. For those that are living in a sandbox and don't know what DVQ is, tell everyone the history of DVQ.
1: Well, DVQ is actually my company. Um, but I get called bbq a lot, and so I'm just used to it by now. It started in 2006. Prior to that, I was an HR operations marketing manager and operations manager. I did that corporately for 10 years. I have uh, I had a previous career to barbecue, and it was not ne- nearly as fulfilling. And in 2006, I judged my very first barbecue contest. Um, and a couple months after that, I competed in my very first backyard contest, and I haven't stopped since. Since that time, I've owned uh, quite a few barbecues, 65 which is the highest amount I ever had at one point. Uh, everything from traditional offsets to reverse flow gravities to ceramics, gas, uh, pellet grills, of course. And uh, since then, I've written uh, cookbook, TV shows, had my own show for three years, gotten to visit with some really spectacular people all over the world. I teach now, on average, um, when I am traveling, <laughs> 3,000 to 4,000 a year, somewhere in there. And I'm a brand ambassador for Traeger Grills. I am a barbecue expert and also a brand ambassador for uh, Duluth Clothing Company as well. So I'm, I've got – my career goes into a lot of different areas, including company consultations
0: for recipe compilations, uh, product testing, etc. all in the name of barbecue and grilling. Well, you just went through my whole set of notes. That's really nice. <laughs> Uh, for competitions what smokers do you cook on
1: i cook on traeger grills i've used traeger grills well since the very beginning i owned when i first started i owned uh, WSMs, and then i had four of those and then i had the traegers as well and then i have a fec 100 which is of course a vertically designed pellet grill Um, i use that for catering and competitions as well as the traeger's And now I run, for the last quite a few years, I run 100% on Traegers, but I don't compete very much anymore. One to two contests, maybe three if I'm lucky anymore. Too busy with other corporate um, events and and booking.
0: There again, it goes parlays back to what I started with, the hardest working person. (laughs) I think it's
1: it's very nice to be able to do what you want, but I think that you have to. I mean, I, I love that saying everybody says, you know, if you're passionate about somebody, you'll never work a day in your life. I'm going to disagree with that wholly because <laughs> I am extraordinarily <laughs> passionate about barbecue and grilling, but I know that I am here to give it my all every single day and uh, just try to, you know, be a really good ambassador, benevolent person of barbecue. And I just, you know, had that goal my whole barbecue career that I knew what I wanted to do and nothing was going to stop me to do it. And uh, I'm really happy that some of the hard work has paid off, for sure.
0: If I remember correctly, the first time we ran into each other was in Tennessee at the Jack Daniels.
1: Mm-hmm. That is actually the very first time it was. Yeah, it was. I first thought time. that was it. Yeah. You actually, I will tell you this. I, I don't know if you know this, David. I remember you were watching me Trim a Piece of Meat some, one day. You actually went back to your trailer and got me my very, very first Victorian Ox 6-inch Fibrox. Um, boning knife. I still have that knife to this day. Since then, I've got 12 more <laughs> over the years, but I actually still have the original one you handed me because you just felt pity for me at that point because I was struggling to <laughs> send something, and you had that, you you know, this is a knife you use. You know, they're not very expensive. It's a good knife. I still have that knife to this day, and every time I look at it, it makes me smile because I remember the kindness that you and, I, and quite a few other barbecue family and, and friends have uh, given me over the years. And it, it never ceases to amaze me, um, the individual kindness moments in barbecue that just help you know, people propel themselves forward. So, so I have not forgotten that moment ever.
0: <laughs> well, I'm honored. Very, very honored. <laughs> The one thing I also remember from that cook-off, you were on the inside of the Tennessee walking path. We were oh, on yeah. the outside. I remember throughout turn-in, we were getting bits and pieces of your dessert turn-in, but nothing <laughs> completely put together. You, no, yeah. that was fun, fun. <laughs> yeah, and it was like you didn't want us to see the whole picture, or the competitive nature was still there, and that may be why. But if I oh. remember, you were either top three or you won it that year. I don't remember for sure.
1: Um, well, one of the things is that that dessert is still, it's still doing well for other teams, actually, because I actually ended up publishing it. It's still the same dessert, Death by Diva. That's the actual name of the dessert. That's and it. um And, you know, it's funny is that, uh, you know, we have some common friends, and I won't give away their names, but that have used that dessert very successfully to make some money as well. It's actually won, that desert's won 26 perfect 180 scores over the years. <laughs> oh, God. Um, it's it done real well. Uh, you know, it, uh, yeah, it's done done well, and uh, I can't complain. I mean, you know, I always like to say it was like, um, for a few years there, it was, uh, it was gas money. That's where we got. <laughs> it's almost a guaranteed gas oh, money check. Yeah. So, It was good, you know. That was like, you know, my runs. You know, I had a couple good years in pork, and I had a couple good years in chicken and ribs, and you know, I had uh, half a season good in brisket. So, you know, uh, (laughs) I managed to to pull out a few wins here and there.
0: (laughs) I believe the next fun time we had was in Little Rock, Arkansas. We were sat right beside each other again.
1: Yep, that was that was a cold, miserable. That was probably one of the most bone chilling, cold wet. And I didn't have a trailer. Remember I flew in for that one. So I was in a, t- no, I drove down, but I didn't have a trailer. I thought, Sorry. That's great. had a friend of mine drive, uh, flew in. I was working out of a 10 by 10. Um, I borrowed equipment. Yeah, it was, it was, gosh, that was a cold, miserable punch.
0: <laughs> yeah. Remember we were beside like a river or a train track or something.
1: Yeah. We were next to the Clinton presidential museum and we were on the river side and it was, it was so much colder on that water side. That it was, oh, it was brutal, and it was on like, what 100 and it was, I don't know, 120 or 130 things, or so. I don't know, it was a big contest, and yeah. uh, you know, it was like, yeah, we were we were in we were slumming it in the section we were in. It was it was. Oh horrible. yeah, we were
0: definitely in the cheap seats. Hmm.
1: Absolutely, and you know, it's funny yeah. is that the other reason I remember that contest is because <laughs> it's so funny you remember different bits of contest. Big Wigs Barbecue, who was one of the competitors there. <laughs> Um, uh, you remember then, David, do you remember the yes. those, those crazy wigs at the, the contest? I remember that they can't, I don't normally like crab cakes, funny enough. And the guys had brought, uh, you know, they were making their special recipe of crab cakes. They had done on their smoker. And I can't remember if it was a Humphreys or whatever it was. And they brought one over to my site and said, here, Daniel, why don't you try this? And I, and I, I, you know, when you, when, you know, when you're given something at a contest, And you don't really want to take, and you know that this happens a lot, right? But you don't want to take a bite, but you don't want to be rude. And I remember to this day taking the bite going, oh my gosh, this is like spectacular. And what I learned from, funny enough, what you learn at contests is that all the crab cakes that I had had prior to that moment in my life had really sucked. That's all I knew because they had this most beautiful lump crab cake that was absolutely spectacular blew me away. And I still love crab cakes to this day. I just know that they have to be a good quality crab cake and not more breading than filling. And I remember that crab cake to this day and how wet that contest was. And then the other thing I remember from that contest was that Krispy Kreme. Do you remember that Krispy Kreme was a sponsor? And we ended up making uh, Krispy Kreme burgers and Krispy Kreme sausage fatty uh, burger. I got a chicken call, and I remember losing my mind because it was a 19th place chicken call. And it was the first really big one that I had done outside of, you know, some of the international ones. And I remember my 19th place checking call going, holy shit, I actually did it. At least I got a call. <laughs> yeah, and that's funny yeah. what you remember at contest.
0: All right. Speaking of contests, speaking of losing your mind, you mm-hmm. have, oh, I don't know what to call it, uh, a passion <laughs> at awards.
1: <laughs> I have calmed down a lot over the years. But yeah, I think it was one of those things where, you know, it was kind of like they were always like pinch me moments, you know, when you work so hard. And remember, I, everybody else has come from a background in barbecue, right? So everybody typically has had some influence in their life in barbecue. And for me, it was such an organic learning experience from traveling all over North America and just, you know, begging every pit master. And I know I filled up your mailbox for a couple of years. <laughs> By far, I know I filled up your mailbox and, you know, begging for some help and, and just really actually genuinely going back and practicing and, and really doing your very best that every time I got a call, I would lose my mind. I, for a few years there, I really would. And then I calmed down. I've calmed down a lot since then. And, uh, you know, just, just really proud of that hard work paying off sometimes is always a good thing. But the one that stands out the most is the Jack Daniels World Championship of Pork. Yeah, that's the yep. one that got me more than anything because I was half in the bag when I got the awards. We had been drinking quite a bit. Uh, we, you know, we What? Yeah, we finished last turn-in, and we had been imbibing in some spirits. You know, it's a dry county, but we were certainly not dry. And uh, I remember we were, we had brought – there was a bottle of whiskey. There was a 24-pack of beer in our backpack, and we had finished that. The team and I had finished that before the awards started. Because <laughs> we, we had a good cook, but I, I wasn't feeling so hot about the brisket. I, I knew the pork was good. I, I knew the pork was good. I, the ribs were okay the chicken was okay the dessert was really good you know I'd competed in the you know Jack about grilling as well so the, the grilling world championship part of the contest too that contest blew me away because not only you know I got here I got this call in, uh, it started with desserts because here I got a call in dessert I got a call in and, and won the the grilling component or you know the world championship Jack Daniels grilling contest which is spectacular and then here comes you know uh, the incredible announcer and I'm like clueless at this point because I'm already higher than a kite on life. And he literally comes right. To, and it's on video. You can see I'm not paying any attention whatsoever. Um, and I literally lost my mind. Yeah. Cause you know, first time a female pit master had done that out of Canada ever. It was a really proud moment. Really proud moment. It was a great moment.
0: Yeah. And it's fun to be in the tents when you're <laughs> <I> guess, excited. <laughs>
1: Loud, obnoxious. Uh, yeah, I, I would have qualified. For no, me.
0: that's not where I was going with that.
1: Oh no, I, I would, I would for sure. <laughs> you know, looking back now, I'm like, oh, that's such a cringe-worthy moment. And you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 46 now. I've definitely calmed down a lot. I'm like, oh, I got called. That's awesome. That's great. Awesome. Perfect. Until you know the, you know, and then the last one I can tell you, the one that I recently lost my mind over because last year, sorry, two years ago, I had been at the American Royal. And uh, of course, I love side dishes. I always have. I've always loved doing the side dishes, not just the meat, but I've always really enjoyed the side dishes. I had, I had one potatoes. I had one vegetables, got a first place in each, got a 180 in my dessert, and then got a perfect, perfect 180 in sausage. But because of, you know, how it rolls, right, if there's two perfect, perfect, then luck of the draw, I came in second. At the American Royal, and I was going. I mean, I lost to a great person. <laughs> in all honesty, if I'm going to lose. It's going to be you know losing to one of your friends is okay. So that was Todd Johns from Plowboys. and so he. Oh, okay. He, he, yep. he, Two yeah, years so we, ago. Yeah. So we both had perfect, perfect, and luck of the draw. You know, I got bumped down to second, and I, I was so determined last year because I'm like, oh hell no, I, I am not going to settle for this. I want, I wanted that trophy so badly, and I remember practicing that box. Probably for a solid month, off and on, uh, practicing. The practicing, sausage practicing. box. The sausage box, yeah, because I, I ground my own meat and did my own sausage, and then did a couple other little components. And so when I won it last year, and actually did finally get that trophy, it was one of the proudest moments because I had coveted that trophy for a long time. So yeah. well,
0: let me tell you this: I talked to Todd. He was actually sitting right in front of me there at the awards. Yep. and. The person that beat you out on the perfect, perfect, that was one of his employee's recipes. Mm -hmm. I thought that was so cool that he still kept it. He called them instantly when he got back going, you won, you won. Yep.
1: He's that kind of guy though, you know? And that's the thing, you know, like when I I say you couldn't lose to a better person, I really mean it, you know? And it's so funny is that he was the very first person this year, or sorry, last year, I guess now. Um, the very first person to congratulate me, 'cause he knew how bad I wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I, I got the uh, I got the text, hey, Sausage Queen." <laughs> <laughs> and I was that was pretty funny. But uh, you know, those, uh, those little moments, you know, like I, I think the best moments though out of all the contests is just getting to connect and meet people. Honestly, I mean, the awards are great, and I mean, I you know, I've got plenty of, and I've enjoyed them and everything else. But I think sometimes it's the connecting with people that I've always enjoyed more than anything, you know, getting to know people's stories and, and learning about their their path to barbecue and, and all the different careers that go in so many different directions because of barbecue and grilling, whether it's rubs or sauces. You know, I've used your products for years. Or I've never made any secret of that. The, the thing is, is that I really like seeing, you know, here we are 14 years later, and getting to see people's success is just really heartwarming to me. And getting to see... I don't know. It's just, you know, all that progress. I mean, getting to see your son, holy crap. Talk about progress. <laughs> you know, if you just see yeah. your, baby, your your baby and grow up and get married and, and baby and restaurant and see see all of these different people that I've known now for quite a few years and, and seeing the different aspects of barbecue as it relates to their careers now. And, and it's been a really, it's really kind of cool when you actually start thinking back about, you know, when we all started going, you know, I had a 10 by 10 pop-up, you know, tent with my you know i borrowed my dad's uh, landscape trailer and a blue tarp and away i went and you know now i've got a very very different career and uh, a different trajectory of life so it's kind of it's just really quite cool to see those opportunities and see people's successes that's really awesome
0: yeah you know i wished when we started cooking that we knew what we knew now yeah and what i mean by that was is i understand that it takes that time on the road the contest under your belt to learn what you learn, but do you ever think i wished i knew how or what i knew about the meat and the presentation and the flavors and then depth and the to put it back 10 years ago and how would you rule the world then
1: it's all those little bits of knowledge you know i and and now you know i get you know i do a lot of lives on facebook i on my facebook channel and they're you know, just me literally in the backyard cooking, like I don't stage anything. I do just basic stuff because I cook every day. And I always get asked that, like, how do you know this? And I always say, because, you know, if you've always had, you know, to cook and you've had to learn as you go, I said, it's amazing what you start to retain after a few years, (laughs) you know, and, and I know that, that there are much more experienced people than me and much more, you know, accredited people than me. But I, I love the fact that, you know, all this learning of these clearer profiles are things that just not naturally go together and meat science all those things. I'm thinking, wow, I wish i spent a little more time on the meat science side of things a little bit more. Or, you know, that uh, that background knowledge would have been really good now. So a little bit more of it.
0: <laughs> you know, something like what you're just talking about. I think so many people do it every night at home. They don't realize it. And then they get nervous when they get asked about it. Take like Chopped, the yeah. great Food Network channel. Every night we do this when we go to cook supper. We open up the fridge and we go, okay, we got this, this. <laughs> we got this, this. What can I make with it? Um, what's in the cabinet? Oh, I've got this over there. It is the same thing.
1: Yeah, it really is. You know, and I'm a queen of leftovers. I truly believe that I, you know, I'd love to see a challenge where you literally just open up a fridge. No stage sets. Cause what I do every day is chopped. What you do every day is chop. It's real life, yeah. you know? I, and I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, the, like, as, as close to as zero waste as possible. So, you know, like, it's it's trying to use up those little bits and use them up creatively and, and uh, not to, you know, have to throw out food and just be grateful and thankful. I mean, I come from very, very humble beginnings. And, you know, I, I've got a family. My grandmother was an immigrant, or my grandmother's parents were immigrants. They were extraordinarily poor. When I say poor, I mean they lived in a sod house. Um, for anybody who doesn't know what that is, that is literally a house made out of packed sod that is whitewashed. Um, it doesn't get much more poor than that, okay? And so I learned to cook from my grandmother, who, of course, went through the depression and went through all of, you know, an extraordinarily challenging time. And I'm really grateful for that that foundation. Um, and I'm it's so funny, because the other day, I just said, wow, I didn't realize how much I had picked up from my grandmother until these last couple of years. And it's because... You know, that that chopped mentality of using exactly what you've got and you make the best of it every single day. And so she she was uh, such a big proponent of never wasting a bone, never wasting a scrap. And I find myself in that same position now. Don't waste anything. You know, use the bones up, use the scrap up, uh, grind your own meat, um, figure out how to make it tasty. Get dinner on the table, and uh, you know, just be kinder than you need to be every day.
0: It's amazing what salt, pepper, and cheese can do to something.
1: <laughs> salt, pepper, and cheese—three of my favorite ingredients in the world, next like to garlic. Like a little, I, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's honestly, yeah, that's exactly. You know, I was I was showing that actually I did a live this this week. Oh my gosh, everything's blurring together now. I did a live just recently. How about that? And I I had some. I had done a stuffed pork loin. I showed people how to butterfly out a pork loin. And I showed them how to do a um, a cornbread stuffing in it. And I purposely made extra cornbread because I wanted to make this other recipe that I do. And I was showing people how to make basic sausage bowls. And it's literally, you know, sausage and your leftover stuffing and cheese. And that's all it is. It's done on the grill. And it's one of the most rewarding, tasty little bites. And it has to do with all leftover management. And, you know, it's it's the simple things of yet yeah, not everybody can afford a two hundred dollar wagyu brisket, you know, or it's, you know, okay, well if you do get the two hundred dollar wagyu brisket, you better save every scrap of fat off of it. I mean, I've got a you know, a half horsepower little grinder here at the house that I've had for years that I use for all of my trimmings and all my scraps and all that kind of stuff and it just kinda of makes sense to me. You know, that that, that mentality of don't waste your food. Use what you've got. Make it tasty. And, you know, you're right. Live the chopped life every day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's digress a little bit what we started with, but let's keep going forward. As an ambassador for other folks, well, sorry, other businesses... (laughs) <laughs> for yourself, what research do you do that you want to align your name with, with the companies? Let's say they come towards you. Yep.
1: Well, that's actually a really good question. I'm really glad you asked that. One of the key things for me is integrity. I have been approached by so many companies at this point, and I mean a lot of them. And they want you to rep their product, or they want you to be the face of their product, or they want you to be associated with their products problem i have with that is that if i don't genuinely actually use the product if i don't like the product i can't just take a check you know what i mean i don't want to just take a check i want to know that the company takes care of its employees i want to know that and i think that's the hr side of me coming out i want to know that they are good people to work with i want to know a lot about you know how they run their business and so i'll research i'll go online and i'll read up about them and if i haven't already used the product i won't ever agree to it um, unless I've actually used it. So a lot of times I'll say to the company, well, hey, I've never used your product. I can't just, you know, blankly, and I see this all the time. I'm not going to just blankly endorse your product. If you want to send me a case or you want to send me some samples, I I'd be more than happy to use it or, or you know, common use it basically and then go from there. And that way I can actually give it an a, informed opinion about it. I think the other thing is, is that I don't want to use something just for that check again. You know what I mean? I really don't. I want to, you know, be able to say I really love this product because of this. I want it to be genuine. I, I want people to understand that if I say I like something, because I really mean it, it, it really is genuine to me, and, that, and that's really important to me. It's too easy these days to take a check. I get I get offers all the time um, from companies. Hey, can you can you do this for us? Hey, can you do this for us? And I'll, I just continually say no, because at the end of the day, it's my reputation. And I want my reputation to be as solid as possible. And so I have to research all those factors before I agree to something.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like saying someone's going to pay you five grand to come to this convention. I want you to stand at our booth. Yep. Because Danielle Bennett slash Diva Q brand is standing Mm -hmm. in our booth. We're going to get some salespeople to come over.
1: Yep, exactly. And that's, that's not enough for me. The check is great. Don't get me wrong. We all we all have bills. We all have money. We all have all those things. And I, and I understand all that. But at the end of the day, if I just did that for every company that approached me, what's the value of my word then? Right? Um, so I've been really careful. I, I have not been a brand slipper. I work with companies based on the decisions that I make. For example, Duluth. I wear Duluth clothing every single day in some capacity i was wearing it years before you know they ever approached me and the reason they approached me is because they saw me on social media and they're like hey you just talked to the girls. i'm like well yeah i've been wearing your stuff for years i like your underwear I like your bras occasionally wear your socks i like you know and, and the, the line you know i went down the line of things i own from them you know it's, it was a couple years in the making and i genuinely actually like their clothes you know and so that's a good endorsement non-barbecue related but it's an actual real endorsement of something i was already wearing um the trigger grills i mean you can go back to, gosh, the the, the second contest I ever did. I had a Traeger Grill there. I had a little text that has a wooden handle. That little text is still at my ex-president's house in Canada. It still works, you know, and, um, you know, same for a lot of different things that I've used over the years, but it's got to be genuine. There are so many people these days that just take the check
0: and I just can't do it. I'm just not, I'm not going to do it. And you also alluded a little bit back about private consulting with brands for expansion of their product line. Do you do that with cooking utensils, grills, spices, recipes for menus for full restaurants? All of the above, except for the gr- the grills. I've got an exclusive with Traeger,
1: but all other things, yes. Yeah. And so you sign an NDA, right? uh, non-disclosure agreement. And then they will say, Hey, we'd like you to try to break this basically, or give us your, you know, professional feedback on something. And so you get paid a consultancy fee. You use your expertise to say, no, this is, there's some design issues here or there are some challenges to this, um, in regards to whatever the, the component might be. And you provide your expertise back because of that. So that goes into, you know, a couple of different areas. Of, of the year. Um, I don't do a lot of it. Uh, I just I really don't have time. Um, in order to test products, you've got to be home. So a couple of contracts a year usually, but it's always interesting to do. And, uh, you know, they'll say, well, how did you actually like this? And, I'll, I'll, and I'm brutal. I'm totally brutal because because they'll say, well, no, no, you're not supposed to do it like that. I said, well, you asked me to test it like a consumer would. And so that's what I do. You have to remember to sometimes forget everything you know about barbecue <laughs> and do it like somebody that would be inexperienced. At home, You know, put it through its worst case scenario versus, you know, not cooking just like one little item. Well, here, let me try to overload this, this appliance unit and let me see what's going to happen. They're really interesting. I mean, that's one of the great things about my career is that it goes in a lot of different directions. So it's never boring. Always got something new on the horizon. Always always, always, always. Oh yeah.
0: Without a doubt about that. And I like your way of thinking when say someone gives you the widget, I <laughs> can see you going, I wished it had a handle here. It won't yeah. hang on my outside cooking. Or let's say it's for the inside the kitchen. I dropped it twice and it chipped. Yep, I can exactly. just see you doing exactly what they wouldn't have expected.
1: And that's the thing, like that's real life, you know? And at the end of the day, I think that that's you know, one of the things is that, you know, people often comment, I got it again this morning. I was, I was Like I said, I was making kolaches first thing this morning. I miss Texas. <laughs> I do. I miss Texas. <laughs> I,
0: can't,
1: I can't get to Texas. I need a fix. So I, I've made kolaches before. I don't make them very often. So, you know, here I am making kolaches on the grill. So it's an unexpected grilled item. And the pans and the pads I use, two things that I love. A silicone pat, uh, mat and a uh, rolled edge cooking sheet. You know two things that I are an essential tool in my world. I will tell you right now, I put them through the places all the time so that'd be a perfect example of something that you know gets used at like normally that would just get used in the oven. Well, I've got a barbecue here, I've got a few of them here. I'm gonna put it on the grill instead, see how it holds up. And so yeah, I try to I try to break things and try to give them real life feedback because people don't work linear, you know like we're scattered. We work in a whole bunch of different areas. And what I try to do when I give those consultancies, is try to think of all those worst case scenarios.
0: You said you had this there. You had a bunch of them. I didn't ask this earlier. How many grills today, right now, is sitting <laughs> in your yard?
1: In the backyard here, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 in the backyard right now. <laughs> I have um, one, two, three, four on the trailer. Four are coming next week. Four, what I get
0: you You're sitting at 21.
1: So I'm sitting at 21. No, 22, sorry, because I, I just gave one away to one of my first responders. So 22 right now. <laughs> so it's, it's a pretty small number, so it's not a crazy number. <laughs> small number. <laughs> I'm going to say pot kettle black right now, because I'm pretty sure you have a lot as well.
0: Well, it's, I'm not that deep, okay? <laughs> uh, now, this ain't about me. <laughs> All right. You have a great brand. You are followed all over. You have a name. You're out working it around the world, not just United States. Yeah. Have you ever considered coming out with your own line of spices? And I don't mean just barbecue rubs, (laughs) I'm talking your favorite black pepper, your favorite anything. Have you ever considered something like that?
1: I I have many times. It's uh, it's the, you know, one of the things I always try to do, and it's once again, it's that human resources side. I always do an analogy, uh, like almost like a a little spreadsheet going, okay. So if I do this, then I'm going to have to dedicate this many labor hours. I'm going to have to do this. Remember, I'm a one-woman show, right? So if I need employees, I don't have any full-time employees. I don't even have any part-time employees. I hire independent people, basically on a short-term contract basis, wherever I need them. And so one of the things is that I always kept looking at it going, you know, is it cost effective for me to have to do this? Is it cost effective for me to do that? Is it worth it to go into the distribution of the side of it? I, I, I have always tended to do that. I have been asked, oh my gosh, the last four years, so many times when I am going to come out with it that I think that this is the year it's going to happen. I got to tell you, oh. you know, there's rubs and sauces that I've been working on forever that, You know, there's some in the cookbook. There's some that have never been published. There is two specifically. That is my OG sauce and my OG rub. It's Viviki's OG, original griller. (laughs) Original gangster, original griller, whatever you want to call me. I call him the OG because, you know, it's an original, right? And one of the things is is that that sauce has traveled well, actually, and and not just with me, and it's won a lot. Uh, There are some teams out there to this day that still use it um, that I actually ship them privately. I make it here at the house and I ship it to them privately and they're using it and it has won not just regional contest, I'm talking world championships. And that's really exciting to know that already. The other rub is you know, just a rub that I use, it's my basic go-to, and then the other one would be like the R of garlic one that I use all the time that I put together myself. I'm pretty sure it's going to ha- you know, come out. Um, I mean, I've owned the trademarks for all of these things for years. One of the things is that I've legally protected myself for quite a few trademarks sometimes uh, because it's really important on the business side of things. So I think this year you'll probably see me come out with something. Uh, people keep acting. And, I mean, it's it's really nice to be wanted. And, I mean, when your public is telling you, you know, hey, the second you come out with it, we'll buy it. That's great. It's just the labor costs and the uh, the uh, attention to it is, is what I'm struggling with in regards to what I need my career to be able to function as. So it's always been a challenge, you know. Always been a
0: challenge. Well, you've kind of answered that yourself right there. But then I'm going to throw into another question because you said you contract out, say, let's say someone marketing, um, because I can tell you now you do your own Facebook post, your own Instagram, you are the communications person.
1: Yep. I am 100%. Uh, It's me. Uh, so somebody asks a question, they're not getting some generic person. They're getting me. That's who's answering their questions on Twitter and on Instagram uh, on Facebook. And that's actually also really important to me because that's my name out there. That's my brand that I have worked really hard to protect it. And so it's, it's that, that contracting out part scares the crap out of me.
0: <laughs> I'm with you there. I'll get a phone call and it'll be just a simple question of brisket or whatever. And they'll go like, well, who is this? And I go, well, this is David. And they're like, you mean the David. And I bet yeah. you it's the same thing with you.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. They're like, is can it- I, please, can I please speak to, to, um, could, could I please speak to your purchasing manager? Okay. Can yeah. I please speak to your dishwasher? Okay. Can I please speak exactly. to your packing person? Yeah. Uh, you're still talking to all the same person,
0: honey. <laughs> yep. Okay. So to look at, let's just say down the road, I know this is hypothetical. <laughs> you are the one person, like you said. Yes. Yeah. Your house right there. I'm sure yep. it's not zoned for this world. Nope. What are you thinking for distribution? Are you going to go uh, with a service? I'm going
1: to have to go with the service. It's not an option. I, I mean, I can so buy Danielle's it. So Danielle's going to have to let loose. I know, and it's, it's, it's that control factor too, right? That's the other thing. Uh, I am definitely an absolute alpha. I'm an OCD alpha too. This is probably why everybody always asks me, do you ever sleep? You, I know you've seen these comments. People ask me all the time, do you ever sleep? And I'm like, yeah, four to five hours a night. That's on average. My brain races. It always has. It's never going to change. You know, every few weeks I'll crash out for like eight to 10 hours in a row. But on average, it's four to five hours a night at the most. And it's, it's you know, that that type of type A personality. You know, I hate to say it, I guess that's such a used word, but I am an absolute type A. So giving up control and, and I, and I guess the thing is that I don't ever want anybody to not have a good experience. You know, one of the things is, is that even after the trigger shop classes and when we teach anything else, I go and try to personally respond and thank anybody who tagged me. It's important to me. I really appreciate them genuinely, you know, so I will sit there, you know, after teaching for, you know, or cooking and teaching for 12, 14 hours, I'll get back to my hotel room. You know, it's already been a 16 to 17 hour day at that point. And I'll literally sit there in my hotel room late at night you know, half asleep, just trying to thank every single person. Those things are important to me. So that's where that fear factor comes into allowing someone to take that on and say, no, 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 it has to be done this way because this is who I am. Don't just dismiss somebody. Don't just, you know, fluff them off if they need help, if they have a question, if they want something resolved, I want you to do it, and I want you to do it yesterday, (laughs) basically. That is going to be the biggest challenge for me. Don't worry. I'm pretty sure I know who to call for some advice. By the way,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, listening to you describe what you just talked about—that's ownership.
1: Yeah, exactly. My parents had small convenience store when I was in high school, and we used to work in it from seven in the morning till eleven p.m. at night every single day except Christmas. That was the only day we ever closed. And so I've grown up in that. My grandmother um, had her t- her tiny little factory. She made it. She used to make a product called SeptoClean. It was a uh, septic system additive. I remember when I was, you know, five, six years old, being in her warehouse um, and she had like two employees and I was there weighing out these one-pound packages. I remember sitting there and watching my grandmother, you know, write letters and thanking and connecting with customers way before computers came around and all that kind of stuff. So I have grown up within those confines. My mom is a real estate agent, everything independent, you know? And so all of those things combined to make me understand that relationship between you and your client, you and your customer, and making sure that you have fulfilled all of your contractual and non contractual obligations to them. I am a businesswoman first and foremost and I wanna make sure that I am taking care of people. And so giving up that control, yeah, terrifying.
0: <laughs> yeah, it would be. And the ownership I can tell in your voice, your way you're talking, the 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 words you're speaking, ownership in your name, ownership mm. in your life. You're passing this on to your kids, Danielle. You know that, yeah. and you want them to get, grasp what you've got from your mom.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's you know I think that those are all these these skills that are maybe not so much book learned, but life learned. You know, life learning is so important. And you know, I, I laugh because I posted something the other day. My kids laugh at me because I don't understand technology. I laugh at them when they have to Google how to boil an egg. You know, (laughs) and I, I, this still makes me chuckle. It's been a couple weeks since I posted it and it still makes me chuckle because it's so true. Right? So those life lessons, those real life lessons of applications, whether it be in cooking or in business, you can't learn that from a book. You can't learn that, you know, every time you have an interaction with your client, make sure that they're happy, make sure that they're content, make sure you've done everything to make them want to come back. I have such nice, really long-term repeat customers and clients Um, that, you know, you establish those relationships over the years. For me, maintaining all those things and, and taking care of them is really an important business factor for my company. And I go back and I keep saying, you know, There are things you have to prioritize. There are things you don't want to prioritize. But that relationship with your clients has always got to be at the forefront.
0: That's absolutely right. People evolve in the way they cook. We all start out as a cook. Then we go to what you could be earmarked a backyard griller. Then eventually, we can call ourselves a pit master. Yep. And for yourself, you've evolved into a barbecue icon.
1: Well, that's a pretty mighty fine title. I don't know about that one, but... (laughs) Oh,
0: I will. I will. Well, thank you. What's next... For Danielle, in your professional path,
1: I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. I have never, I've never wanted to stop. You know, on my left hand, on my left arm, sorry. There's actually, I got a tattoo a couple of years ago, um, right after I got divorced. <laughs> totally, there's a couple of tattoos I got. The one on the back of my neck says "Never settle, ever," and that means to strive to do better every day. And that doesn't mean just professionally; it means personally. Try to give back more. Try to be kinder try to be more compassionate, empathetic, um, all the things that I fail horribly at. I'm not a very empathetic person and I'm not very compassionate. And those are things in my own life that I'm trying to improve about myself. And then there's the professional side going, how can we do this better? How can we run your social media better? How can we, you know, get out to more people? Uh, not about the money side. It's about the connecting with people side. So for me, it's just constantly striving to be better than I was the day before. The other thing on my other arm says, unstoppable, because at the end of the day, People are, you know, if you look at any more personal friends outside of the the barbecue, business side of things. And so what I sometimes post on my personal stuff is different than what I post on my professional stuff. Anybody that looks at my content knows that it's not just American barbecue I do. It's everything. (laughs) Literally, pick a country, and I want to learn about it. And so, like, you know, I did some ramen this week. I did, you know, uh, I'm doing gyoza. I'm I'm doing some Japanese food this weekend. I did, you know, some bry. Uh, I do different types of barbecue from around the world. I think that, honestly, if it if anything in the future for me, it would be learning more because you never stop learning. I love that aspect about barbecue and food and cooking and grilling. I love learning about every aspect, whether it is on a cellular level, um, based on meat science and what's actually happening to the you know, uh, the protein strands, are they unraveling? Are they getting tighter? What's happening? So that stuff always really excites me to learn about that. I enjoy that immensely. If I could take three years off of life, I'd probably just go back and be a scientist. I don't want to, but uh, I would really like to learn more about that. So for me, it's a constant uh, relationship with my clients. I'm, I just signed another two-year uh, agreement with Frager. I'm very happy with that, that relationship. It has been so great to see that come to fruition and that's you know, we're going on six years together now. Five, five, six years. Yeah. And so for me, it's continuing on the path and, and it's a path that makes me happy. Life is really, really fragile and too short. And so I do things that I like. I live in a really small, modest house, very small, very modest house in central Florida. I did that on purpose so I can live a bigger life. I didn't want to have that negative debt over my head. And so... You know, having a very small mortgage, um, having no credit card debt, having no loans. That kind of stuff is really important to me so that I can go and live my life. And that means that I don't have to check my bank account before I hop a plane. Or maybe these days, you know, maybe walk there or drive, but no plane. But um, (laughs) So so for me, it's getting to do more of those life adventures to learn more things and, and the things that make me happy. Yeah, that's you know I know that's a really kind of roundabout answer, but that's 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 me right now. I'm I'm just I'm on my own path of of just trying to learn more and enjoying myself and and uh, working hard every day at my craft. Hopefully, you know, it perpetuates a little further into the future and uh, God willing, successfully. Yeah,
0: that's perfect. That's perfect. Here's a segment of your life that I know you had to have enjoyed because you could see it on the TV screen. The show Barbecue Crawl. Mm, Yeah. I know it's ended. Yep. But why not let's get that started back up? Why don't you go gather the troops? Let's make (laughs) this happen. Why can't we?
1: There's a lot of reasons. Some I won't get into. I love that show. The reason I love that show more than anything is because I'm proud of it. If you can say you're proud of something in your career that you have done, then that's an accomplishment. That's a true accomplishment. I'm a very unedited person, David. You know who's talking to me personally. I don't back down. I don't. Yeah. I don't back down from anybody. I stand my ground. I have opinions. I'm not afraid to say them. And I'm okay with that. That's, that's who I am. I'm, I can't change that. I'm an extremely benevolent and kind person too. I think some people forget about that, that part. But I was extraordinarily proud of that show because I got to do something that I think helps people. One of the greatest things about that, that show, the greatest things, the three years of doing that show, we went to 157 countries with that show. It's playing season two right now in and New Zealand. Uh, I do know that because I was wow. up there just there just a little while ago. And, you know, getting recognized for being on that show, I'm like, that's been over for quite a few years. But thank you very much. I appreciate it, you know. The other thing is, is that I, I was so proud of that show because, first of all, it was a very skeleton-proof. Very skeleton crew. It was done with uh, Canadian tax credits under the docu-series drama rules. It told real stories. See, the whole show came about because I had already been traveling all over the place to learn. That's actually, it was in a very organic kind of uh, continuance of my life at that point. I had already traveled to like, you know, 30 or 40 states at that point. I had already, you know, uh, you know paid out of my own money, you know, uh, my own pocket to travel to learn because I was adamant that I was going to learn about barbecue. I'm going to go learn from the best in the business because there are all these, you know, really well-established pitmasters all over the nation. And that recurrence of understanding the different types of barbecues, And the different uh, types of cookers that were out there, the different sanctioning bodies, the different uh, regional preferences, all of those things. I mean, I've now eaten at over 600 barbecue joints in my career. 600, you know, that's a lot of barbecue all over the world. I never get sick of it. And so that show gave me a platform in which to tell stories and to tell stories about people that I had met. Um, Because 95% of the content um, of the locations, I had already been there. Wow, that's cool. I I, I had either already eaten there, had a relationship with them online, or something of that kind of nature. And in order to understand barbecue, you have to understand that barbecue goes in so many different directions. But the the one thing I think that really represents barbecue is a lot of back-breaking work to be a barbecue restaurant. It's not quick food. There has to be a dedication there there has to be an absolute reverence for it. To be able to tell some of these family stories, whether it was, you know, manufacturing a pit in Oklahoma or, you know, visiting, you know, somebody in Kansas or traveling to uh, a very different, you know, type of barbecue, you know, hot and fast grilling at Fish 101 in Antonitas, California, or, you know, traveling to the, the Carolinas and seeing traditional whole hog at 5 o'clock in the morning. Whatever the case may be, I got to tell their stories, and they were all real stories. And so it wasn't scripted. It wasn't some BS you know, um, made up show. It really elevated some of their stories publicly. And then the other thing that was really rewarding was I was able to give back to some of the pet masters and locations that had helped me when I first started my career. So for example, Southside Market in Texas, uh, the Bracewell family, I have never forgotten their kindness. I have a really, really long memory of kindness. (laughs) You know, wherever anyone has, has extended kindness. I, that stuff looks like a vault, right? It just sticks with you. For example, you know, the guy I could tell you Cliff was the guy that brought me the equipment that I borrowed at the you know at the uh, Clinton museum that we were talking about, you know, the library. You know, I <laughs> yeah. cliff he brought me that and he brought me this beautiful syrup and I've never forgotten. You know, like it's it's so funny what you remember, but getting to tell those real, genuine, authentic stories meant the world to me. And then to hear afterwards This year, I had one of the, sorry, this past year, I had one of the greatest honors of my entire barbecue career, my entire career, the greatest honors. And it was, I got invited by Regal's Barbecue in Houston, Texas, to go with them to Texas A&M, to brisket camp. Now, for those of you who don't know, that's a big deal, first of all. There is a waiting list that's like four or five years long to get into brisket camp. So they have all these incredible food scientists and meat scientists and meat experts there. And I actually, when I got there, they were very accommodating, very kind to me. And they actually asked me to speak, which I was blown away as a barbecue expert, getting that, get, I'm still blown away now. It's one of those moments where you you realize that maybe you actually have done a few things right in your career (laughs) and maybe you do know a little bit more than maybe you think you do and getting to, getting asked to speak at Texas A&M Brisket Camp blew my mind as a barbecue expert for Pellet Grills and, and, and Smoke Science, which was amazing. But the moment that, that got me, and I actually had tears in my eyes, I had to leave the room, I was just I, I was overcome, was that Brian Bracewell, one of the le- true legendary icons at Southside Market of All Texas Barbecue, stood it up and thanked me publicly for always supporting them. And I was just wow, blown Oh, I was, here I am within a group of, you know, people from all over the world. And here is this legendary icon of barbecue on behalf of the Bracewell family standing up to thank me. I had tears in my eyes because those are the moments. So that, that moment got translated, you know, those are the types of stories that we told on Barbecue Call for three years. The fact is, is that I'm really proud of it. Would I do it again? Probably in some other format. Yeah. I'm, I turned down four or five shows last year uh, for a variety of different reasons. So the one of them being, I just didn't think they were the right fit for me. You know, either the guest star or compete on or whatever. I I want things to fit. You know, one of the benefits now in my life is that I have an opportunity now because of the life path that I've chosen is I can turn down those types of projects because I just really want it to be genuine. and I want things to be real. And that's really so important to me that I don't want to see a lot of that made up stuff. I I, I have no problem being a judge. I just don't want to participate on the competitor side right now. I, I, yeah. You know, this it, is important to me. I've done enough.
0: I'm good. <laughs> but I, I'm good now, okay? I'm good. We're at a part in this podcast that we normally will take one of our great big injector needles we got back here in the warehouse. <laughs> and I'm going to inject you with a butcher barbecue podcast truth serum. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question, and you have to answer it truthfully. Absolutely. Since I love the way you cook... And the things you show on the uh, Facebook pictures, I'm going to ask you, you're probably only the, I've only asked one other person this question, and that was Lene Oxley-Lew, because I also respect the way she cooks. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to list a a piece of food. You Mm -hmm. tell me what your first spice is that you're going to put on it. Being an herb or whatever. Eggs. I got
1: you. Dried chives.
0: Okay. Any real nice piece of seafood.
1: Mmm. I'm doing two pieces today live on Facebook, funny enough. Um, citrus. <laughs> citrus.
0: Okay. Fried potatoes. Salt. Pork chops. Smoked paprika. Whatever your favorite steak is. Uh, my recipe for Montreal steak spice. Tofu. Uh, soy sauce. Spam. Pepper. Pepper, okay.
1: Yeah, it's got a high All sodium right. content already, so it needs to balance it out.
0: <laughs> yeah. What is the most obscure food that you've ever eaten that most people never try? Gosh, i tried a lot of stuff at this point. Um, oh, obscure. Holy crap. Um, oh, my God. Nobody's
1: ever offered this before. I don't know. I don't think a lot of people eat salmon roe. I like that. Okay. Um, I, I a really good caviar. I don't think a lot of people have that. I thought I didn't like it, and then I had a really good caviar, and then I understood. I think that also, like, geoduck. Uh, which is like the interior fetus I had it once of a duck egg. It was not good. I would never recommend that to anybody. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I got that backwards. But basically, you know, when it comes to Asian influences, things like that, growing up outside of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, I got to have a lot of really obscure, you know, Japanese, Vietnamese, Cambodian oddities over the years. Everything's the, really, you know, like, and, and then also like, you know, depending on where I travel, I mean, everything from reindeer to crickets and everything in between. So, I mean, reindeer is pretty common, but, you know, crickets, I wasn't such a fan of, you know, I'll I yeah. know. i I'll try everything just about once, just about once. I'll try it. Yeah.
0: I, I could say there's not a lot of crickets on the menu <laughs> in Oklahoma.
1: No, I don't imagine there really is a lot of crickets, but you know, like, so, I mean, for me, I'll try everything once. I, I my kids are actually really good eaters because of that was a rule at home. I never made my kids finish everything every, ever. If my kids were full, then I always, you know, was, was really cognizant of the fact that I wanted to be good, healthier eaters than I ever will be. And I always said to the kids, you have to try everything. You have to take at least two bites. If you don't like it, that's fine. So you have to take two bites. And so I've kind of yeah. stuck that, out of that role myself, you know. So it's important to open up these opportunities of learning all of these different things. Uh, if you don't like it, it's okay. But, you know, sometimes you get shocked about what you do like.
0: <laughs> okay. One last question. Yes, sir. What is the most useless barbecue tool you ever bought wow
1: you've got some mac daddy questions. um <laughs> use barbecue tool um oh good gravy um, um All right um, I'm, I'm, let, I'm, let's go to the I'm, most I'm,
0: useful what would you say yourself the most useful
1: throw, pen, throw pen, hands down and then right, you, on you that know one. i guess i guess you know but like, like i teach everything by temperature right I, i'm very much based on teaching people how to, you know, the proteins of the nature and where they're at in the cooking cycle and all that kind of stuff. Um, when it comes to useless, I, I, I don't know. I've, uh, I have bought some pretty, um, you know, odd little gadgets here and there, like different types of, oh, oh i tell you one. One of the things that I bought was to clean the grill, which was, it was a grill cleaner that had an attached bottle to it so you could spray the grill down with water as you cleaned. And it sucked. It was a piece of crap. Uh, I remember that. I thought that was just a waste of time. I mean, I, I guess the other thing is, is that you know there's there's tools out there that other people like that I just can't see the point in. I'm not a gadgety person to begin with. I wear you know cotton gloves and uh, nitrile to take most things off the grill. I like you know you know typically you know I like really good quality tongs. I mean you know there's there's you know a few things that way. I I mean I shred apart meat with my I'd rather do it with my hands than anything any other tool as well and. So, I mean, I'm not a very gadgety person. I stick to the traditional stuff that works well. If it works well and it's consistent and it's always effective, then I just keep using it.
0: All right, Danielle. Tell everyone who your sponsors are or who you have aligned with and where they can follow you at.
1: So, you can follow me everywhere across every social media channel, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Diva, Q, BBQ. It's very simple. Um, I'm out there a lot. Um, my partners, I have to thank absolutely. First and foremost, Treasure Grill. Treasure Grills and I have been in partners for many, many years now, and I'm very grateful for our, for our partnership. Duluth Clothing uh, for men and for women. I'm very glad for that. This has been two years in the making now, and I'm very glad to partner with them. I also have great relationships with Summerworks and Victoria Knox, and of course, Yeti for all of my cooler needs and drinkware. I'm just really grateful for all those people. Uh, by the way, the Victoria Knox relationship came because of you, David, <laughs> because of that oh, night. Wow. And they saw me using it. <laughs> so there you go. You're a to nice. that as well. And the yep. Thermal the Thermalworks relationship came, um, yes, uh Hens, was because I was the person who designed the very first one that had a, a design on it. I actually designed the original flame one. And Thermal Really? Was a, yeah. I, was I got one. It. Yeah. Um, because I went to them and I approached them and I said, you know, you're missing a whole market here. <laughs> Basically in my not so blunt. As you know, I can be a little blunt at times. And I'm like, why are you people not doing this? I don't understand this because they had all the different colors. Remember, they remember they were just they were mm-hmm. more geared towards food service. At least we've been doing this a while. They were more geared to just food service, not backyarders at that point. Those are the original old thermopens, the square ones. Remember the the square rectangular ones. Oh and yeah. And I um I had uh, one of the guys that I knew who knew how to use photo. I still to this day don't know how to use Photoshop. And I said, hey, can you do me a favor? I said, I want you just can you can you get me this and just put some flames on the end so I can send them this picture. I I want to tell them that they should make this. I said that a whole bunch of us would buy it and it'd be a lot more interesting than looking at, you know, the the regular generic ones. And so since that day, I've had a relationship with Thermal Works and uh, they've always taken care of me. And so, you know, we've we've had a really great relationship with them since then. So those are my my sponsors and my partners. Um, A lot of ranches send me, you know, great care packages and I post about them as they come in and things like that. But those are my main ones. Yes, sir.
0: I appreciate your time very, very much. Thank you, sir. And I'll send you my FedEx shipping number for one of those kolaches.
1: Yes, sir. I got you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Danielle, I appreciate the time. Thanks.
1: Thank you, sir. I appreciate being on your show. I sincerely love seeing all your success. And you know, personal endorsement, not sponsored. I am a very, very big believer in trust your butcher. I always have. I always will. Never led me astray ever once. So thank you very much for everything.
0: Thank you, young lady. Thank you, sir. Smash that subscribe button and be ready for Butcher's next podcast.